So I don't know if you guys uh, went to university or you left home and you, you got a group of friends. And I had this particular group of, of friends, a couple of guys I lived with, there's five of us. And we had quite a peculiar friendship. I was reflecting on it and I realized that our main goal and aim of our friendship was to make each other as miserable as possible. <laughs> and just try and how can I cause this person as much disruption or destruction as, as I can. And so we used to like throw cold water over them in the shower or like just run into their room and just push all their books on the floor. And we came up once with this amazing game called the Rocks Games, Ingenious, where uh, we, we lived on a ground floor flat and we each had our, our bedrooms like this with these big open windows. And when someone was studying, we'd, we'd run outside and we'd creep up to their window and one of us would hold the window open and the rest of us would see there's like a trench with rocks just at the bottom, like quite big, and we'd just see how many rocks can we get in their room before we can, just giggling, before they could fight us off and shut the window. So, I don't know, maybe we're just, it's a boy thing. <laughs> Maybe it's an immaturity thing, probably a bit of both, but I'm sure you did the same. Uh, <laughs> so today we're looking at healthy relationships. Uh, I've got a slide up here. Could I get these slides up here? If that's all right. Um, so we're following our series of family values, and we're thinking about healthy relationships. And this is between like friends, between peers, brothers, the people sat around you. And I was like, what does a healthy relationship look like? Is it like throwing rocks in people's bedrooms? Or maybe it's something different. And um, I came up with the conclusion that actually a healthy relationship with a friend or with a brother or sister uh, in Christ, the people around us, is that we want the best for them, that we want them to be healthy in, in those relationships. We want mutual flourishing. And it made me think of like this age-old question that I think has been asked through the centuries by humans, which is like, what is the good life and how can I reach that? And how can I help the people around me find the good life? And in many different ways, that's kind of what we're trying to do subconsciously, is involve the people around us in the good life. And Paul, in the Bible, he gives us a healthy phrase, a helpful phrase, to think about how we can do this, how we can find the good life, how we can have healthy relationships with the people around us. And he uses this helpful phrase, carry each other's burdens carry each other's burdens. And you may feel like one of these donkeys, that you are carrying a lot yourself, and you couldn't carry one more straw of hay belonging to someone else. But what is it that your burdens are? You know, what's Paul talking about here? What burdens do you carry? Are you someone that is good at carrying other people's burdens? And are you someone that lets other people carry your burdens? They're all questions I want us to ponder this morning. But I wanted to start by just continuing a bit of my story, telling you a bit more about who I am, where I've come from, and uh, going back to that university experience. When I arrived at university, I was raised by my parents who were sat here today uh, in a wonderful way. They went to church, took me to church, went to youth groups, um, had a really great time, great friends growing up. And as you can relate, I'm sure, when you leave home, and go somewhere, you, you enter the furnace of forging your identity as an adult person. You have to so, sort of deconstruct what you grew up with and reconstruct what you're going to be like and how you're going to live this life, what values you're going to hold and how you're going to walk forwards. And my, my two values, really, I mean, I kind of went to church. I was kind of expecting to go to church. My two real values when I got to university were how can I have fun and how much football can I really play? <laughs> 
My, my one question at every uni open day was, how good's the football team? What, what div are you in? Um, so that was really my main objective. But I found that when I, when I arrived at, at university, that I met these other characters who had a different worldview to me. And all of a sudden, there's this clash of desires of cultures where the good life is expressed in different ways. And I came into this situation where I've got these guys, most of them took a gap year, a year older than me, lived in London, lived a wildly different life to me, had a different set of values impressed upon them by their upbringing and their friends. And all of a sudden, you know, someone who's looking for a fun time, I'm offered, oh, this is quite fun. This is quite fun as well. Have you ever tried this? It's really fun. <laughs> And uh, I tried them all, I tried all those things. And I, I went to live life to the full in all the ways that everyone invited me to. So that would involve like the sports culture, following my ambitions on the sports field and in the bar after the games, the, the relationship culture, um, finding the opposite sex very attractive, and then like the party culture and the party scene, going out and experiencing the fullness of life that you can find in the party scene. And it was great, I had a really fun time for, for a while. But I found this war of desires and this, this uh, conflict starting to occur in my life. And as I was going through, there was this unrest that I was experiencing. And as I was trying to find my identity, the reality that I was kind of pushing away what I knew so well from growing up and that I was grabbing hold of something that wasn't entirely in sync with that was difficult. And I would live my life at university, and then I would go home in the holidays, and I would go back to church and pretend everything was okay, and then I'd be living a radically different life when I went to university. And this, this war of desires really began to weigh heavy on me. And in terms of what are the burdens that you're carrying, for me at that time, it was the burden of this, this lifestyle pull, this pull in different directions that, that really weighed heavy upon my back and became a load that I had to carry. And we're going to come back to that in a little while. It's a good ending, I promise. Um, but what I want to talk about today is that the burdens that we carry, what Paul is referencing here, is not necessarily the life circumstances that we face, the grief and the pain and the different things, but actually what Paul is referring to is the burden of sin, the burden of what the Bible calls sin, which is the things that get in between us and God. And the phrase that Paul uses to describe this, the word he uses is the flesh. And the flesh, if we go to the next slide, he talks about, uh, oh, here we go, the sin. So in Galatians chapter 6, which is where we are today, which you might want to go to in your Bible, talks about carry each other's burdens in verse 2, but the directly preceding verse goes like this. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, carry each other's burdens. So it points quite clearly to the fact that our healthy relationships rely upon the carrying of our burdens, which actually it looks like from this verse, are the sins that we carry. And Paul very cleverly describes this in the preceding chapter, verse, chapter 5. He very accurately talks about the, the flesh versus the spirit. This is the big kind of dynamic that I want to talk about today. And the flesh being this word that he uses to describe sin. And it's a confusing word. It's an earthly word. There are four different Greek words that we use for flesh, and it's a very complex kind of concept, but essentially what Paul is talking about, the flesh being, is our humanity, our human desires, and the evil in the world that influences both us and our humanity, and the humanity of the people around us. So we're caught in between um, our desires, which is the flesh, 
And then what Paul talks about is a life in the spirit. And what does this look like, being pulled one way or the other? I think you can all relate to this in some way. There's a few examples for you here. So you guys are looking all very good. Have you ever tried to lose weight at some point? You know, you're looking very trim, so I'm sure some of you have at this point. Uh, But you want to eat salad for a week, perhaps you've got your meal plan. And then someone comes along and ruins it by saying the D word. Do you want to get a Domino's? (laughs) You're like, yep, in, in, veggie volcano, large. Uh, I think that's the pull of the flesh. It's a pull of something that you don't want to do, but you want to do. Um, Or maybe you're at a gathering or you're at work or you're in a family thing and someone tells you something in confidence. But it's really interesting. Oh, it's so interesting. And then you're talking to someone else later and they come up in conversation. You're like, I've got something to tell you about that person. I shouldn't tell you. We keep it secret. I think that is, you know, it's gossip is the pull of the flesh. Or, or maybe someone's telling a story about something they've achieved, something that's quite impressive, and you have done that thing, but in a way more impressive way, and you're just bursting to tell everyone as soon as they stop. I've actually done it. I think that's the pull of the flesh. Um, or maybe you know, it's the middle of the night and your baby is screaming. I know he was all smiles today. Don't be fooled. <laughs> And you just want to scream, please stop screaming, or in, in our, our words to that effect. Uh, <laughs> that's a pull of the flesh. Um, or maybe, you know, there's other pulls, like to go and um, just lose yourself in, in something, or the pull of lust, where you're home alone and you, you feel like you want to go and log on to some websites that you shouldn't be looking at. There's a whole host of pulls, and there's actually a list of these in Galatians 5. You can have a look if you like, but I don't think we need to go there. I think we can honestly have an internal reflective moment. What are those things? Because we've all got them, and we can all recognize what is that pull, what is that sinful desire, as Paul would call it. And on the flip side, we've got the spirit. And very simply, the spirit is referred to by the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I had to memorize that when I became a dad. (laughs) I just repeat them in my head over and over again. Um, That is the fruit of the spirit. So we've got this, the flesh versus the spirit, the bad versus the good. And very simply put, um, what Paul says in Galatians 6 Verse 7 and 10, of uh, 7 to 10, I think it's like the Christian version of what culture would call karma, where Paul says, you reap what you sow. A man reaps what he sows. He says in verse 8, whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh they will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. So it's very simple, right? Do good things, good stuff will happen to you. Do bad things, bad stuff will happen to you. But that's not how it goes, right? Because none of us are good enough to do good stuff all the time. We come into this problem of our humanity that we are somehow embedded in our flesh. And if we go to the next slide, I've got this Venn diagram for you. Look at that. Nice. We are caught in the flesh, and yet we are trying to live by the Spirit. And if you say yes to Jesus, if you're a Christian believer, then we believe that you, you have access to the Spirit, that God wants all of us to walk in the Spirit. But we're, we're trapped in our flesh, and we're trapped in our humanity. So how do we solve this problem? How do we move from the flesh into the Spirit? How do we experience the good life, and how do we help one another on this journey? Well, in the Jewish tradition, and this is who Paul is writing to in the, in the book of Galatians, he's writing a letter to churches, and it's a, it's a Jewish church who have become Christians, 
And they are living the, the Jewish way, which is to get to the spirit, to, to overcome our desires and the things that we do wrong. Then we have rituals, practices, and different beliefs, you know, things like circumcision or eating kosher food or animal sacrifice that are going to enable us to come across to the spirit. And Paul writes and he says, this is the old way, but the new way is that Jesus Christ has come so that we have access to the Spirit, that we no longer have to live with these desires and these pulls, but we can step into the things of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And check out this next slide. You're not going to believe this. Come on. (laughs) We believe that Jesus comes as, as man, as flesh, the idea being that he is God and he, he comes as flesh to embody what we go through every day, to embody and encapsulate these pulls that we've been describing this morning. And he does that and he walks this whole life and he, he goes to the cross, which is a torture method. It's a method of being killed, of being crucified. And he hangs up there and he takes on our guilt and our shame and everything that we experience in our life of the flesh. And he kills it there on the cross and he dies. And Paul writes that when we come to him, we are essentially putting our flesh on that cross. And it's pretty intense. It's quite graphic. You know, it's quite full on. We're killing the flesh there and then, our sinful desires, and we're being raised again with Christ as we see him raised on the third day into new life, into the spirit, enabling us to live in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he has done. That's the gospel. And it's about this journey from flesh into the spirit. But it is intense. And Paul says, you know, chapter 5, verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And that is what we celebrate when we look at baptism, which, again, is pretty intense, bringing your son up the front to crucify his flesh. Like, whoa, chill out, man. (laughs) Um, But it's this beautiful thing where we go through water, as John alluded to earlier. We go through the watery chaos into new life. And this is a beautiful thing. Have you seen the Prince of Egypt? There can be miracles when you... And we... Whereas where the Egyptians were oppressing the Israelites. They were enslaving them, making them build stuff, oppressing their, their human rights. And what we look at in baptism is where we go from this slavery... Oh, let's go to the next slide. Here we go. Yes, we go from this slavery of being under the Egyptians, under the oppression of our desires, and we go through the waters where Jesus leads us, God leads us through the waters that are blocking us from our freedom. We, he parts them and we go through them and then in the water that the Egyptians come and then they get washed away, don't they? And in those waters of baptism, things that are oppressing us get destroyed in the water And we step out into new life. We step into the promised land. And that's what's going on in baptism. It's a really beautiful thing. And so the point that I'm trying to make this this morning is that there's this very simple invitation that there is slavery and there is freedom. And we are trapped in the middle. And we have access to the Father, to Jesus, who wants to give us the things of the Spirit but we still encounter these desires. And you're sat here thinking, well, if I've said yes to Jesus, how come I still feel tempted by all these things? And that's the same question as if we're on this earth and God is good, then why is there suffering in this world? It's the same thing, that we live in the now and the not yet, that Jesus came to give us access to him and his fullness will be seen in the next life. 
And in the meantime, we need to help each other out. We need to carry each other up the mountain. We need to help each other to see that there is this bridge that we can walk, that there is, there is a good life for us, and we need to pull each other up along the way. So when I was um, living my best life, or what I thought I was at university, I think it was in my third year, um, I used to come home sometimes or visit different places, and one place I'd visit was uh, London, and through, through that I'd go to my, my friend's church and my brother's church, and I'd see some of my friends there. And I'd always go there, meet with God, it was an amazing church. And in those times, I would feel this exposure to the slavery that I was living in. You know, I didn't see it as slavery at the time. It's quite an intense way to call it, but I would, I would, I would be exposed to this, God, I'm sorry that I'm living this way. I'm not honoring you or myself or the people around me. I want to be free. And there'd be this painful moment of meeting with God. And this is exactly what happened this time. I went there and I had a long drive back to wherever I was going. So I said goodbye to a few people and I walked, you know, the two minute walk in the dark to my car and I was going to drive for an hour or so. So I was just getting my maps up choosing a podcast, and then uh, the door opens, my passenger door opens, and this, my friend gets in, he's actually here today, and he, he sits in the passenger seat, and he just looks at me, and he says, Luke, what are you doing, man? I know I just said goodbye to you, but I just felt like I had to come and just say, what's going on? Who are you kidding? You keep, you keep living this life here and this life there, and I just don't think you're living the life that's best for you, that's going to reach your, your fullness, your flourishing. I don't see it. There's so much more for you. Like, I love you, and I'm here for you. I just, I just felt like I had to say that. And that was a holy moment. I sat in that car, and I knew he was right. He knew he was right. God knew he was right. And I was just sat there just thinking, yeah. And the whole, your whole life catches up with you, and you just sat there in that moment. But as it says in Galatians 6, verse 1, um, which I've lost, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, should restore that person gently. You who live by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, you should restore that person gently. And what happened that evening in the car was the gentleness of a loving friend and the gentleness of God that came to meet me where I was at and came to just say, hey, man, there's so much more. You, you're actually living in slavery when you could be living in freedom. I can see that you're, you're caught up in this. And I don't want that for you. And it was there, you know, the reality of that. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And I want you to hear me when I say this. Like, this is not an exercise in, in getting a big stick out and just beating your friends around the head with it. Like, I know what you did. I know what you did. That's not what Paul is talking about. It's in love, in the spirit, in gentleness. We are, we are helping people. We're turning heads. You don't have to live. You don't have to live over here. Just have a look over here. There's more for you. The good life is waiting for you. But it's hard. And, but we need each other. 
we need each other. I would not be here this morning doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for these guys that are here today, these guys that got around me through my best and through my worst. It is a, it is a call on us, it is like a command that we, we've got to pull each other through this thing called life because it's not easy. You know, you've got to be the Samwise Ganji to the Frodo. You've got to carry the ring up to Mount, you know, oh, I can't carry it for you, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. You've got to be there. Throw it into the fire. We can't do it on our own. But it's not about what we do. It's not about what we choose to do or not do. If we go to the next slide, Paul finishes with this, and I'll finish with this, is that what counts is the new creation. What counts is the new creation. As we go through baptism, as we say yes to Jesus, as we look at what that intense moment of crucifying our desires and saying yes to the life of the Spirit, there is a new creation that happens. And that's how Paul finishes after saying, you reap what you sow, and that's true, but what counts is the new creation. What counts is the work of Jesus in your life that's going to change you. So I'm going to invite the band to come up. And we're going to sing some songs. Um, but I just want to invite us to respond to that, whatever that may have stirred in you. So I'm going to invite you guys to stand if you would like to. And what's great about God is that he doesn't leave us on our own. So he gives us our friends. But he also gives us what we call the Holy Spirit which is the, the, the gift of God. As Jesus left this earth, he, he said, I'm going to go, but I'm going to give you someone better than me. I'm going to give you the, the helper, this Holy Spirit, who's going to come and comfort you and be with you and show you who I am. And so if you want to meet with Jesus or the living God this morning, that, that he's here for you, he wants to meet you. And I just want to encourage you, you might want to close your eyes, you might want to hold your hands out like you're going to receive a gift. Um, but just to say, Holy Spirit, would you come? I want to meet you. Jesus, would you come meet me right now? Because you can, you can write books and essays about the good life and the freedom of Jesus, but ultimately it's an encounter with a person that's going to change your life. And he wants to come and meet you today. So Holy Spirit, would you come and meet us? Jesus, I pray you'd bring us freedom this morning, this afternoon, from our desires that aren't healthy, that aren't leading us to flourishing or the good life. God, would you show us that you are the Prince of Peace, you're the living hope, you're the God of joy, who is our strength, and you are an all-loving God who wants to walk with us through everything we go through. And right now, you might just want to lay something down before him, something of, of the sinful desires or, or some actions, somewhere where you feel like you've been, you've been trapped in, in this life, but you want to live the life of freedom. Just take this opportunity to just lay it before God. Just put it on the cross. Just put it on the cross. And what happens is that there's a beautiful exchange of the things that trap us and the freedom that God brings. So receive that this morning. 
Amen.